Live from the historic parsonage of 19th century gospel minister George Norcross in downtown Carlisle, Pennsylvania. It's Iron Sharpens Iron, a radio platform on which pastors, Christian scholars, and theologians address the burning issues facing the church and the world today. Proverbs 27 verse 17 tells us, Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Matthew Henry said that in this passage, quote, We are cautioned to take heed whom we converse with, and directed to have in view in conversation to make one another wiser and better. It is our hope that this goal will be accomplished over the next hour, and we hope to hear from you, the listener, with your own questions. Now here's our host, Chris Arnson. Good afternoon, Cumberland County, Pennsylvania, Lake City, Florida, and the rest of humanity living on the planet Earth who are listening via live streaming at ironsharpensironradio.com. This is Chris Arnson, your host of Iron Sharpens Iron Radio, wishing you all a happy Thursday on this fourth day of January 2018. And I'm so delighted to have back as a returning guest somebody who I truly love interviewing when those opportunities arise, and that is Jeff Durbin pastor of Apologia Church in Tempe, Arizona. He is also the founder of Apologia TV and Apologia Radio, and he is also hosting a television program called Next Week Now, and it's my honor and privilege to welcome you back to Iron Sharpens Iron Radio, Pastor Jeff Durbin. Well, thank you, Chris. I always love being on the show with you. Yeah, and today we are going to be talking about a very important subject, a blueprint for abortion mill evangelism. Uh, so if you uh, know anybody that's contemplating an abortion, or if you know anybody that is involved in abortion mill evangelism themselves or with their congregations or parachurch ministries, please email them, text them, tweet them, or call them to have them listen to the program on ironsharpensironradio.com. And uh, before I go into the subject with you, Pastor Jeff, uh, let our listeners who are discovering you for the first time uh, let, them, let them know something about Apologia Church. Sure. So Apologia Church was started, um, we're, at, we're coming up on our eighth birthday at the end of February. Um, started at a drug and alcohol rehab facility. I was the chaplain there. Uh, it's one of the oldest uh, rehab hospitals in Arizona. And uh, so I was a pastor at a church in Phoenix while I was also chaplain at this hospital. And... Um, God called us to plant Apologia Church to care for all the people that were coming to Christ out of addiction uh, and to, to care for them and disciple them. So that was about eight years ago, and since that time, God has uh, grown our church uh, spiritually, uh, numerically. Uh, God's used us in tremendous ways uh, and uh, across a wide variety of issues. Uh, abortion is, is one of those issues. Uh, Mormonism, we do a lot of outreach. We're, we're we're very, very committed to getting into the marketplace, into the town square with the message of the gospel. And so it has been a tremendous eight years of um, a pretty uh, powerful uh, opportunity with Apologia Radio, Apologia TV. We, these things are teaching arms of, of Apologia Church and outreach arms. Uh, Apologia Radio had about a million uh, downloads last year. Um, and uh, just with all the other content, God has uh, allowed us to be able to communicate the gospel literally all over the uh, planet uh, in so many different countries, and uh, it's just been a tremendous blessing. 
Well, praise God. Well, how can people listen to Apologia Radio and watch Apologia TV? Yeah, so the landing spot pretty much for everything is ApologiaStudios.com. And uh, so our radio show is up there, our TV shows, the after shows, uh, our Apologia Academy. We have um, a, just a fantastic academy. We have men like Dr. James White. Uh, we have guys like Douglas Wilson. We've got, we have a new one with Nate Wilson, uh, John Sampson on Reformed Theology, Apologetics, um, Doctrine of the Trinity. Uh, we even have uh, Dr. Mitch Stokes, who's a professor at New St. Andrews College, uh, talking about uh, mathematics and the biblical worldview, how you can't really have mathematics without Jesus. And so uh, just, just a ton of content there, and it's, uh, it's at ApologiaStudios.com. You can also go to Apologia Studios on Facebook and on YouTube, and there's just hundreds of, of hours of content. All right, now tell us something about uh, something that's very unusual for a pastor. You have your own uh, late-night talk show called Next Week. Let us know about that. Sure. So um, one of the things we wanted to do in 2017, uh, our plan with End Abortion Now was to equip churches, to provide them resources, to do it all for free, um, to connect people to their legislatures, uh, to speak to them and demand immediate justice for these fatherless children. And we knew that we needed to produce content to change the conversation and the culture about abortion, and what I mean by that is, is change it in terms of making it gospel-centered. Uh, we believe that the pro-life movement has fundamentally failed uh, uh, to be essentially Christian in the approach to, um, to confronting uh, the culture of death that's all around us, and so we knew we needed to essentially um, produce content and um, put stuff that, across social media that would redirect the conversation about abortion back to uh, the biblical foundations and so that was one aspect, and, and we did a ton of stuff last year, uh, videos that were seen by millions and millions and millions of people. Uh, people came to Christ through watching those. People turned away from killing their children because of watching those. Um, it, people started going to the abortion mills um, after watching those. And so um, that was one aspect. But next week was we wanted to have a weekly platform that would communicate to a wider audience where we could engage the culture, we could engage a host of cultural issues, with the biblical worldview, but at the heart of that show is end abortion now. Uh, the heart of that show is is confronting the issue of abortion and rallying local churches across the United States to get involved, to go to endabortionnow.com to get free training, to get free resources, to get everything they need to do the same kind of justice and mercy mission that we're doing at Apologia Church, saving lives, preaching the gospel, helping mothers and fathers. So next week was just one um, avenue to, to do that, and... Praise God, uh, we, we knew we needed to break out of the Reformed ghetto, and we wanted to have something. <laughs> That's true, it's true. Uh, in order to end abortion, it has to be something that goes across the wide spectrum of, of Christianity. And so we wanted to break out of the Reformed ghetto, we wanted to be able to communicate to an entirely uh, larger audience with the biblical worldview and the issue of abortion, um, and call people to, to get involved. And so we knew that if we did a show, and this, this, is, this is kind of discouraging, but it's true. We knew if we did a weekly show on abortion, um, we knew that barely anybody would watch it. You know, a weekly show every week on abortion. We knew that, you know, very few people would, would tune in to watch that, and the, the ability to have an impact in this area of abortion would be, would be lessened. So we knew we needed to do a show that actually engaged the root of the problem in the culture in, in a wide variety of, of ways, but also constantly point people back to end abortion now to show the babies that have been saved on a regular basis. 
And so we did, and God really tremendously blessed it. I mean, we had, um, I, I don't even know the numbers exactly, but over a million people that watched the show. Uh, we had so many views uh, across a wide spectrum of communities. And uh, from the time we started doing Next Week with Jeff Durbin, um, we added about 100 local churches to the fight who are now going to the abortion mills and preaching the gospel and saving lives. Uh, we hit kind of a stall point before we did next week, and as soon as we launched that show, about 100 churches were added. And uh, you do add humor to this uh, program, something that also is far too often a foreign thing to us reform people. <laughs> it is. It is. No, it's, it's interesting. Um, if, you, if you know Apology at Church and Apology at Radio and all the stuff that we do, if you listen to episodes from seven years ago, we we cut up, we laugh, we tell jokes. We you know somebody uh, commented once before about Apology Radio. They said it goes from silly to searing in seconds, and so that's just kind of it's in our blood. It's who we are. We we love to just you know have joy and have a good time, but also think hard and meaningful theological things. And so Apology has always sort of had that about us because it's just who we are. And so doing next week was uh, we wanted to have something that would engage the culture in a truly meaningful way, and it would do it in a way that was honest, uh, that was good, and, um, and it would do it in a way that was, was cutting. We wanted to have um, a, a regular engagement with the culture of death that was cutting and hard. And so, yeah, there's, there's a, a monologue in each show, uh, an opening monologue. We, we, we tell... Um, we tell uh, we have commentary where we cut uh, Planned Parenthood, and we we try to engage with with what they say, what they do, what they're most recently doing, and so so yeah. And we're we're going to continue to get better at it. We just finished our first season of it. Next season comes out in February. Uh, we have an incredible first guest already lined up for February. Um, that's that's I can't mention him, but it's it's going to be amazing. And how do folks watch uh, next week? So next week, uh, people can watch that. It, it airs live on Facebook Live uh, every Tuesday, um, Tuesday evening on our Facebook page, Apologia Studios. We also put it up on YouTube uh, later. It'll also be up on ApologiaStudios.com at some point. But it's live every Tuesday evening, and I think it's the second week of February where we start up again. Well, sometime in the future, you have to at least one time let me be your Ed McMahon on the show. <laughs> I would love that. I would really love that. In fact, I am going to do something that I've never done live on air before, but I'm going to imitate for you, just for you, Jeff Durbin, and anybody who has the misfortune of listening, I'm going to imitate Johnny Carson right now. Okay. And here's my Johnny Carson imitation. Uh, it, it, it was so cold in Tempe, Arizona today that... They found a family of illegal aliens huddled together in Jeff Durbin's beard. <laughs> Sorry you had to endure that, folks. That's, that's awesome. That's a pretty good one, man. <laughs> but anyway, I'm going to play right now so people can get an actual taste of what you do at the abortion clinics. Uh, or I, I actually hate to use the term clinic. The abortion mills like pan, Planned Parenthood what you and volunteers from Apologia Church and Apologia Studios uh, do there. Uh, this is uh, one of your briefer uh, videos that obviously, since this is a radio program, people will only be hearing it by audio. And of course, uh, folks listening, you can you can uh, see many of these on YouTube. How many do you know of? How many you have posted on YouTube? 
Oh, goodness. I, I have no idea. I mean, I think there's over 500 videos on our YouTube channel, I think. Um, and I, I'm not sure how many of those are related to abortion. There's a ton. There's a ton. There's, there's a lot, a lot of hours of content. Well, this is an, this is one of the excellent moments. Uh, it's about eight minutes long, I think. And, uh, I, I would, I would even suggest to you who are listening to grab a pen and paper or just sit in front of your keyboard and make notes during this. But we will be right back with Jeff Durbin live momentarily. But right now, this is a recording of Jeff Durbin at an abortion mill. What's that? What's wrong with them being able to choose? Who being able to choose? Whoever, man. They should, people should be able to do what they want with their bodies. So can I rape a woman? No, you shouldn't do that. So I can't That's do it. I, so I can't. That's I can't do what body. I want with my own body, can I? You can do what you want with your body. You just can't do anything with anybody else's body. So let me try this. A person should be able to do what they want with their own body. Yeah. We shouldn't be able to. We shouldn't be allowed to just abuse other people's bodies. Absolutely. Okay. So in the case of what's happening inside there right now, the woman's body is not dying. It's another body biologically distinct inside of her that is being killed. I'm all for women doing what they want with their bodies. I, I'm in agreement with you, actually, fundamentally, that we shouldn't be able to harm other people's bodies, which is precisely what's happening in there. I'm glad you joined us. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm all for your freedom of speech, of speech and everything, but I still just think it should be up to them. You shouldn't really... So what, all moral decisions. decisions should just be up to anybody? Yeah. It so we be should be able to molest children? Free will. We should be able to molest children? We should be able to molest children, rape women? No, no, no. no. That's I what mean, you said. You still have to have morals. Morals aren't... Where's this too. come from? It's just life, man. It's just life, bro? Yeah, it's life. It's just life, bro? Yeah. It's just, just morals are just live. life, bro? Yeah. Okay, so the child molester in the in the cage right now that we've caged up, who kidnapped and dismembered a small little girl after raping her... Um, we put him in jail. Do you think he should be there? Oh, absolutely. But he lives by a different moral code than you. Right. He believes that what he did is a good moral, happy thing. Not necessarily. He got pleasure from it. Well, there's lots of people today that are pedophiles that enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Why, why don't you let them have their way? Free will, bro. A lot of the times that's usually a psychological issue. Who says it's a psychological issue? Uh, scientists. You talking, no, you're talking about brain gas? Biochemical responses happening in the brain, well, neurons, like neurons, and neurons, neurons are firing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you're talking about a condition that's happening in the brain mm-hmm. of evolved protoplasm, and the decision led to certain activities, and you're condemning the activity that came from the brain gas. No, I'm saying that that right there can sometimes be affected like a disease. And sometimes it's brain don't gas. Really have a control over but that. it led to an activity. You're saying the activity yeah. is wrong. Oh, absolutely. On what basis is the activity wrong? You shouldn't do anything. Are you an atheist? Uh, Agnostic. You're an agnostic? Yeah. Okay. So, coming from an agnostic worldview, Mm -hmm. um, on what basis do you call anything wrong? Anything wrong? What do you mean by that? You're an agnostic. Right. So, you don't know. True. Right? Yeah. Okay. So, someone who doesn't know is making all kinds of knowledge claims. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I still believe it morally, just deep down. The humankind, it's the right thing to do. Okay, do you believe that we evolved to get here? Oh, absolutely. You believe that our ancestors are, that we're African apes? Oh, yeah. Our ancestors were fish? Uh-huh. So we're, we're evolved fish. Right. Right? Yeah. And you're condemning certain human behaviors and activities in a universe that doesn't care about us when our ancestors were fish. You're, yeah. calling, one, you're calling one value that's risen up over evolutionary time wrong and one right. Mm. Those are arbitrary. Yeah, but see, sometimes just people don't have... Thank you. Sci- yeah. Science is a methodology. 
No, science, science is pretty proven. Science is a methodology. How, how can you can you prove that it's not so, a methodology? Are you saying that science give you gives you morals? No. Thank I'm you. Well, ma'am, that's that what we were talking about. You're late catching up. Okay, back to what we were talking about. Science no, is a like methodology. Science is a methodology. It, it requires induction. Science is a methodology. It requires induction. We were talking about morality. So you're in a different I conversation. I feel like you're kind of trying to change the subject. Now no, we were. Science. If you want to talk about science, I'll ask you how you can account for induction, which is at the very bottom of science. You have to have uniformity in nature and induction, the principle of induction, mm-hmm. in order to actually do the scientific method. Oh, absolutely. Right. So yeah, let me ask you as well, right? Right, let me yeah. ask you as a, let me ask you as a, as an agnostic. Yeah. How do you justify an appeal to uniformity in the principle of induction? Given that you are an agnostic, you don't know that the next five seconds will be like the past. Yeah. So we need to know that for science to work. Not necessarily. You just kind of have to live, man. That's what I was saying earlier. Yeah, I would, encur- I would encourage you to really, uh, really examine that. Because if you really hold to the scientific method, you need induction and uniformity in nature. Mm-hmm. Uniformity in nature. What you don't see in, in a science textbook is, we need science, bro. <laughs> just because. You true. don't see it in That's a science true. textbook. That's true, but when you're trying to come at me after you're yelling at them... No, I'm not coming at you, now, Obviously, I can't, I can't bring science as the first thing to... I'm at, no, I'm asking you as an agnostic to justify it. Justify an appeal to induction. We need the future to be like the past. We need the universe to no. be uniform. How would, how would humankind progress? How would you get from I don't the think fish? I don't think how would you get from any... the fish to the human now and from what we're going to be... I, I mean, I mean this respectfully. I don't think you understand what I'm saying to you. So science mm-hmm. d- depends upon the uniformity in nature. Mm-hmm. We have to do things based upon observation, right? right yeah. So we, we examine a cell. We examine, we examine DNA, biology. We examine something and we recognize that there are repeated patterns, that the future will be like the past. Past experiences showed us one thing through observation. Therefore, oh, we now move from those past experiences to f- project into the future what will be in the future. Right. That's the basis of science. So I'm asking you as an agnostic who believes that your ancestors were fish in a purposeless, unguided universe, mm-hmm. how do you justify and satisfy the preconditions necessary for science and the uniformity in nature when you believe that we live in a godless universe that's not that. governed? I didn't say that. I, godless is atheist. Agnostic it means that... I just don't believe. I don't know. So you live by faith, right? Yeah, blind exactly. faith. I, do, I just kind of go with the flow. You live. You live yeah. by blind faith. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. That's not the Christian position. We wouldn't want to live like that. Blind yeah, faith. I'm not Christian. So. Well, I, I'm saying. I'm, I'm, I'm saying you have a worldview. I have a worldview. No, I'm sharing. No, I'm, yeah. I'm, you're entitled. Yeah. to your own You live point by of blind view. faith. So therefore, you really have no argument with, say, back to the moral position. You really have no position to argue with, say, the rapist. The kidnapper, the enslaver, I mean, just as you're the murderer. entitled to your position, though, I'm entitled to mine. No, you, I, yeah. I, I'm, listen, you can believe, of course, what you want. Yeah, uh-huh. But what I'm saying is that I'm talking to you as, as, a, as a Christian with, with love, saying uh-huh. that with your position of blind faith that you've granted, right. with no basis for science or morality, you can't really make an appeal to morality at all because you live by faith. You don't know. You're an agnostic. You don't know. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So when you walk past here, though, you didn't act like you didn't know. When you walk past here... When you walked past here, you didn't act like you didn't know. You actually said they should be able to do what they want with their bodies. So how, how do you make sense of that when you said that you don't have any way to justify morality or science? You don't know. You live by faith. Do you see? No, I see. And I, feel, I feel like this conversation is kind of going in circles. I understand what you're saying, and I respect what you're saying. Yeah. But I think we're just going to keep going. Well, I want you to know. Just uh-huh. with, with My name is Jeff. Jonathan. Nice to meet you, Jonathan. Nice to meet you, man. Uh, just want you to know why we're here, just so you don't, you know, walk away yeah, yeah. not knowing. 
We love you. We care for these women. Oh, we, over 70 babies have been saved through this work. That's awesome. Carmelo, uh, Olivia Grace, Kara. Mm -hmm. Like, I can show you pictures. Mm -hmm. um, that's why we're here, because we care. We love these people. Uh -huh. We want you to just know something, just last thing I'll say to you, and I really appreciate you stopping. Of course. Okay? Um, we're here because we're forgiven, because we're saved. God loves us. He died for our sins and rose from the dead. And the message is that all who turn from their sin to come to him will be forgiven. And that's what we want for you. That's that's the message. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate you, James. God bless you, man. You too. Thank you. That was pretty powerful stuff, uh, Jeff. And uh, that was that at a Planned Parenthood? Yeah, that was at actually the Planned Parenthood in Tempe, not far from our studio. They're no longer there. They actually, uh, I think because of all the work that we were doing there, they had so much pressure from the community, they actually moved now uh, a couple miles south to a new location. But, yeah, that was at the old Tempe Planned Parenthood location. And uh, I think that your own information is probably outdated now. You said we've saved over 70 babies. If I'm not mistaken, our last conversation, that it far exceeded that. Yeah, I think we're, we're around a hundred. It's uh, difficult at this point to keep track. Um, and, and when we say that, that's just confirmed. There are times when we can't actually confirm, uh, so we don't really add those numbers. Um, but we, it, we know that it's well over a hundred, but we say right now about a hundred uh, children safe from death. And you're talking about women that were going to enter into the doors of that abortuary and have her baby murdered, uh, right. who changed her mind right in front of you. Yeah, so this is uh, typically what has happened is it's women who are showing up uh, on a surgical abortion day and um, they're going in for their abortion and they'll turn around uh, after hearing our, our calling out to them, our preaching, uh, they'll, they'll, they'll turn away. And um, there's other times where maybe they're going there for consultation, they're, they've set the appointment for the abortion, and uh, they come out and talk to us and, and we end up... Um, communicating uh, the love of Christ to them and the truth, and they end up turning away. Uh, sometimes we've even had women that walk out of Planned Parenthood with a brown paper bag, and uh, when we see that, we know that they've been given the abortion pill. Uh, there's been times where the woman comes out with the, the bag of, of pills, and uh, after talking to us, she dumps the pill. Wow. And Yeah, so there's a number of different ways that it takes place, but uh, so just, just through the effort of Apologia Church locally, uh, it's approximately 100 children saved from death. And then if you then look at what God has done through End Abortion Now in 2017, uh, we have over 250 churches that have now linked up. Uh, they've gotten the free training and the free resources, and they're going out now. And it's, it's I think, near impossible to calculate at this point how many children have been saved from death because some of those churches, like one of them is on their 35th save. Uh, one had over 130 saves. Um, uh, I had uh, a, a couple come in here yesterday to the studio from Delaware. They started an abortion ministry because of uh, End Abortion Now and Apologia Church, and uh, they're in Delaware. They've saved five children uh, themselves, uh, but this was such a blessing to hear. When they started going out, there were other churches that started coming out as well, and then they discovered that those churches were now coming out as a result of Apologia Church and our ministry as well. So, um, yeah, it's just incredible. It really is incredible, and it's just impossible to calculate how much damage this has done uh, to the kingdom of darkness. Now, you, you have mentioned uh, end abortion now several times, and if you could give us more details on exactly what end abortion now does. Sure. So our local uh, abortion mill ministry for Apologia Church 
started, uh, I guess, going on four years ago now. Uh, we weren't doing this kind of work before. Of course, we were pro-life, but we weren't really doing anything to go out and to save lives. Um, and so through a course of events, I was really challenged. We were challenged as a church, listening to the testimonies of Christians who were doing this kind of work. Marcus's film, Babies Are Murdered Here, which is available on YouTube for free, uh, was a big catalyst for us at Apologia Church to really kick us over the line. So we started a ministry called the Red Door Ministry, um, and historically um, churches had red doors, and uh, that was the place for safety and sanctuary. People can come in to escape death, escape death and of their enemies, and uh, they would go to the place with the red door. And so we called that the Red Door Ministry, and so we started doing active evangelism. We were turning the camera on, and we were just filming our ministry as it was happening and we would talk about it on Apologia Radio when we had a save, um, and just people started getting involved as a result of just hearing our stories. So at the end of 2016, I had had a vision and goal for uh, what we wanted to do to really grow the movement of local churches that were to get involved in this effort. We knew that it couldn't just be Apologia Church or the handful of other sidewalk ministries that were doing it. It needed to be a massive movement and we knew that churches needed to get involved and needed to be a part of the local church's efforts. Um, and we wanted to take away every excuse for anybody uh, that anybody had to not do this kind of ministry. So I had sort of a vision for what we wanted to do, but we didn't have the money for it. Um, it was going to cost, you know, a lot of money to send kits to churches and materials to hand out and to, to give training, to get a website. Uh, to, uh, there was just so much involved that we just, we're a small church. People don't realize that about Apologia Church. If everyone is there all at once, it may be 200 people. So it's not a very large church. So we don't have the resources for it. So we kind of got everything set up. Uh, my, uh, our, our website, uh, guy, uh, Tim, uh, had, had built the website and we just sort of like left it on hold because we didn't have what it took. So by God's grace, there was a brother in Christ that um, has actually helped fund crisis pregnancy centers in his hometown. Um, he listened to Apologia Radio through the recommendation of a friend, and he contacted me personally out of the blue, and he said, so, you know, tell me what your, your vision is for the area of abortion, what you want to do. And I said, well, I already know. He was like, great, what is it? And I explained everything, the strategy that we had set up, and I said, but we just don't have the money. And so he said, well, if you could have what you needed for it, what would it cost? I said, I already know that, too. Um, it's two, we need $250,000 to do it for a year. And essentially, he, he committed to give us um, $125,000 for matching donations. And so we put it before the people of God, and uh, I think we were funded within about a month um, for 2017. And what that allowed us to do in 2017 is really um, start this, strategy that we had, and the strategy was to, number one, get the local churches involved in justice and mercy missions at their local abortion mills, and to speak prophetically to their culture around them, centered on the gospel around abortion, and to their local legislatures, uh, demanding an immediate end to abortion. We wanted to equip those churches and train those churches, give free resources. We even held a conference in 2017 that was completely for free, and we flew out um, a number of pastors and leaders from across the country, from Alaska to Maine and Florida and California. We had about 100 churches represented at this conference, um, and that was just early on in 2017. And um, so we provided all that equipping and kind of getting everyone set and ready to go. We had a, a, a landing zone for churches to come to get training 
So if somebody said, we don't know what we're doing, um, we'd say, no problem. We have you taken care of. Just go to the website and get all the training you need. Um, and if somebody said, well, I don't have the materials necessary to hand out to women, we'd say, we got you with that. We're going to pay for your entire kit, your signs, your tracks, your pamphlets, and we'll send them to you at no cost to you. So we wanted to remove every obstacle. And uh, the other part of the mission was to flood uh, the Internet with media and content that was gospel-centered around the issue of abortion. We knew that the pro-life narrative is fundamentally flawed in so many ways in terms of how it pretends neutrality, um, in terms of how it doesn't uh, speak philosophically consistently on this issue. Um, it, it turns the women who, who actually have abortions into victims uh, and not perpetrators. Um, and just as a number of things, they, they're not fighting for the criminalization of abortion uh, in a consistent way. Uh, and we know that because at the very top of the most reputable, respected uh, pro-life ministries in the world, we've had conversations with the leadership where they've, they've said in, in no uncertain terms that they're not seeking to have abortion essentially um, criminalized and, and called murder. Uh, which is why they're failing, because legislate, legislatures um, have to legislate on moral issues. And if you don't actually have abortion as a moral issue, if it's just something that's distasteful to you, you just don't like it, legislatures will not legislate against it. And when the pro-life movement abandons consistency and the biblical worldview um, to fight against abortion, they fail every single time. And so we knew that the legislative aspect needed to be uh, a big part of what we are doing, and so we needed to do that. We needed to change people's minds with media content. And so we needed to flood the Internet. We also needed to focus on the legislative battle itself by having Christians communicate directly to their legislatures and offering them support if they would take courageous and consistent and bold moves uh, to, to, to essentially establish justice for these children. Uh, so one of the things we did on the website is we have a tab there where people can click on it. It's a simple process. All they do is put their name and their information in and just hit the button, and it sends a pre-made letter to your local legislature um, at offering them support and demanding immediate justice for the pre-born. So at this point, there have been thousands upon thousands of Christians that have used that service, uh, put directly into contact with their legislature. Um, and so End Abortion Now was essentially a, a, a movement from Apologia Church, and this is this is not a separate ministry from Apologia Church. It's just Apologia Church's ministry uh, to equip local churches across the country to be involved in saving lives at the mill, preaching the gospel, offering help, and communicating to the local legislature in their area to demand an immediate end to abortion. And so, uh, if I could just say this one last thing on this point, there's a, a bit of a different strategy with end abortion now in terms of. We are grateful for God striking straight blows with crooked sticks. And, and, and what we mean by that is legislation that has been incremental and focusing on, you know, sort of chipping away at the abortion industry, you know, and, and cleaner abortion facilities, you know, trying to shut them down in that way, or lowering the, um, or the, the level of weeks where abortion is, is allowed um, you know, that we're grateful that God has used that to save lives. However, we also recognize that we need to have a consistent philosophical and Christian position against abortion and a consistent legislative position against abortion. We, should, we ought to be fighting against it in terms of what the Bible says about it. It's murder. 
and we ought to be demanding immediate end to abortion. And so what we wanted to do was redirect people to how our system of government is in the United States. And what I mean by that is um, many of these pro-life uh, organizations, and I've been told from the very top, I've, been, I've talked to the people who are in leadership of all these, these organizations, I've been told by them that they are not seeking an immediate criminalization at a local level against, uh, against abortion. They are focusing on, at some point, hopefully overturning Roe v. Wade. Now, the problem with that kind of thinking is that it goes against, um, I think, consistency in terms of what abortion actually is and how we should be fighting against it, but it also violates our own system of government. And what I mean by that is courts in our nation cannot make laws. It says in our constitutional documents that the Congress creates law, not the courts. And so Roe v. Wade was a court opinion that no state was obligated to obey, to listen to. Um, and it, a good example is in Arizona right now, abortion is illegal in Arizona right now. There is a, a, a current statute on the books. It has never been altered. It has never been changed. It is still current legal code. Uh, hasn't been struck down. Nothing's happened to it. Abortion is illegal in Arizona right now, and anybody who commits it um, is is guilty of a crime. However, that law isn't upheld or uh, protected or utilized because we've bought into the fiction that Roe v. Wade created a law that subverts the laws of the states. It didn't. Uh, not only was Roe v. Wade based upon faulty premises, they said that what was in the womb was potential human life, but Roe v. Wade was a court opinion. So you have states like Texas, Arizona, Idaho, right now, where abortion is illegal. As a matter of fact, Idaho, uh, abortion is called murder. Uh, on the books, currently, never changed. So our approach is fundamentally different from how the pro-life community has been trying to fight against this, where they're saying we want to overturn Roe versus Wade. What we're saying is that's not even how our system of government works. You don't have to do that. The states can exercise their state sovereignty and uphold their own laws and say to the, uh, to the court, the higher court, that is not legislation, that's a court opinion, and we reject it. And we can uphold justice for these children at the state level, and we can do it immediately. Um, there have been a number of attempts at doing that over the last two years. One was in Oklahoma, one was in Texas, one was in Idaho, and, um, and each and every time, and this is the disheartening aspect of all of this, uh, this fight, each and every time, the greatest opposition that we've experienced in trying to put forth legislation that would just uphold the laws that are on the books and to criminalize abortion, the greatest opposition has been from the pro-life movement. Um, as a matter of fact, in Oklahoma, uh, Tony Lowinger, who's the vice president of National Right to Life, um, they had, uh, uh, there's a senator, I think, named Joseph Silk, if I remember his name correctly. He put legislation in that would have immediately criminalized abortion in the state of Oklahoma. The pro-life, that, that, legislate, that legislature is predominantly pro-life. And from what we learned from friends that were there, the pro-life legislators that were there, they had an opportunity to vote on this thing and to, to get this thing off the ground. And it was a predominantly pro-life legislature, so you would think, of course, it's going to work, right? Well, they actually asked their expert at the uh, National Right to Life, Tony Lowinger, the vice president, what should we do, Tony? How do you want us to vote on this? 
and he told them, do not vote on this. Wow. He said, it'll undo all of the pro-life legislation that we put into effect all these years. Wow. And my, my answer to that is, well, of course it would, because it would criminalize abortion completely. And this gets to another point, Chris, and I know I'm talking a lot here, but this is critical in this whole fight. If Roe versus Wade was overturned tonight, so if, if tonight there was a miraculous event where they said, by decree, we overturn Roe versus Wade, abortion would now be legal in almost every state tomorrow because of the pro-life legislation that has been, that has been uh, implemented over the years by the pro-life community. So what I mean by that is uh, they've, they've fought for legislation that says abortion shall be illegal except in the case of, and then they give restrictions for abortion. So that gives essentially, um, that, that gives a legal right to abortion through pro-life legislation. So even if Roe v. Wade was overturned, abortion is still legal in the states because of pro-life legislation. Um, and so the only way you're actually ever going to end abortion in our nation is, number one, there has to be a heart change in our nation, and the only way that takes place is through the gospel. It cannot happen through pragmatism. It cannot happen through mere winning arguments about biology. It has to take place because our the heart of our nation needs to change, and that only takes place because of the gospel. But beyond that, the only way abortion is going to be criminalized in our nation at this point is if states exercise their sovereign right to uphold their own laws and resist the corrupt decree of a court in the 70s that didn't even get the premises right. Um, it was just an opinion, and our system of government says that Congress makes laws, not the Supreme Court. And we have to go to our first break right now. If anybody would like to join us on the air with a question of your own for Jeff Durbin, our email address is chrisarnzen at gmail.com, C-H-R-I-S-A-R-N-Z-E-N at gmail.com. Please give us at least your first name, your city and state, and your country of residence if you live outside the USA. And, of course, you may remain anonymous if your question involves a personal and private matter. And this is one of those times where I can certainly imagine... There may be a lot of you who want to remain anonymous when you ask questions about the subject because perhaps you yourself have had abortions uh, or are contemplating one. Uh, well, you may feel free to remain anonymous, of course, and we will grant that uh, request. But other than that, if it's just a general question about this subject, please give us your first name, city and state, and country of residence. That's chrisarnson at gmail.com. Don't go away. God willing, we'll be right back with more of Jeff Durbin and a blueprint for abortion mill evangelism. Hi, I'm Chris Arns and host of Iron Sharpens Iron Radio, here to tell you about an exciting offer from World Magazine, my trusted source for news from a Christian perspective. Try World at no charge for 90 days and get a free copy of R.C. Sproul's book, Relationship Between Church and State. I rely on World because I trust the reporting. I gain insight from the analysis. And World provides clarity to the news stories that really matter. I believe you'll also find World to be an invaluable resource to better understand critical topics with a depth that's simply not found in other media outlets. Armed with this coverage, World can help you to be a voice of wisdom in your family and your community. This trial includes bi-weekly issues of World Magazine, on-scene reporting from World Radio, and the fully shareable content of World Digital. 
Simply visit WMG.org forward slash iron sharpens to get your world trial and Dr. Sproul's book all free. No obligation with no credit card required. Visit World News Group at WMG.org forward slash iron sharpens today. Charles Haddon Spurgeon once said, Give yourself unto reading. The man who never reads will never be read. He who never quotes will never be quoted. He who will not use the thoughts of other men's brains proves that he has no brains of his own. You need to read. Solid Ground Christian Books is a publisher and book distributor who takes these words of the Prince of Preachers to heart. The mission of Solid Ground Christian Books is to bring back treasures of the past to minister to Christians in the present and future, and to publish new titles that address burning issues in the church and the world. Since its beginning in 2001, Solid Ground has been committed to publish God-centered, Christ-exalting books for all ages. We invite you to go treasure hunting at solid-ground-books.com. That's solid-ground-books.com and see what priceless literary gems from the past or present you can unearth from Solid Ground. Solid Ground Christian Books is honored to be a weekly sponsor of Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. Tired of box store Christianity? Of doing church in a warehouse with all the trappings of a rock concert? Do you long for a more traditional and reverent style of worship? And how about the preaching? Perhaps you've begun to think that in-depth biblical exposition has vanished from Long Island. Well, there's good news. Wedding River Baptist Church exists to provide believers with a meaningful and reverent worship experience, featuring the systematic exposition of God's Word. And this loving congregation looks forward to meeting you. Call them at 631-929-3512 for service times. 631-929-3512 or check out their website at wrbc.us that's wrbc.us I'm James White of Alpha Omega Ministries. The New American Standard Bible is perfect for daily reading or in-depth study. Used by pastors, scholars, and everyday readers, the NASB is widely embraced and trusted as a literal and readable Bible translation. The NASB offers clarity and readability while maintaining high accuracy to the original languages which the NASB is known for. The NASB is available in many editions like a topical reference Bible. Researched and prepared by biblical scholars devoted to accuracy, the new topical reference Bible includes contemporary topics relevant to today's issues. From compact to giant print Bibles, find an NASB that fits your needs very affordably at nasbible.com. Whichever edition you choose, trust, discover, and enjoy the NASB for yourself today. Go to nasbible.com. That's nasbible.com. And I want to thank the publishers of the New American Standard Bible for renewing their sponsorship contract of Iron Trepan's Iron Radio and for also sponsoring my next six months worth of exhibitors booth uh, events that I will be attending. And uh, this is uh, including the one coming up January 17th through the 20th in Atlanta, Georgia, the G3 conference. And that's going to be launched by a debate that our mutual friend, a mutual friend of Jeff Durbin and mine, Dr. James R. White of Alpha Omega Ministries, he's going to be having a debate with a Muslim apologist on Wednesday, January 17th. And then the conference begins with a very long roster of speakers, which I will mention later on during the program. But if you want to register for either attendance or even for your own exhibitor's booth, 
Go to g3conference.com, g3conference.com, and please make sure you tell everyone over there at Praise Mill Baptist Church in Douglaston, Georgia, or Douglasville, Georgia, uh, that uh, that you heard about the G3 Conference from Chris Arnzen on Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. And by the way, the, the actual conference is going to be held at the Georgia International Convention Center in Atlanta. So I hope to see many of you there again. Uh, and I hope to see many of you there for the first time as well at my exhibitor's booth at the G3 conference. We are back now with our guest today, uh, Pastor Jeff Durbin of Apologia Church in Tempe, Arizona, also the founder of Apologia TV and Apologia Radio and host of the Next Week uh, program. We are discussing a blueprint for abortion mill evangelism and if you'd like to join us on the air with a question of your own, our email address is chrisarnson at gmail.com. And uh, before we go back to our discussion, we just have a, not a question, but a commendation or note of praise from a listener uh, in Suffolk County, Long Island, New York. Hey, Chris, just wanted to send a quick thanks to Jeff and his team for all their work on behalf of the kingdom of God. It has been a great encouragement and help to our outreach team here at Hope Reformed Baptist Church in Medford, New York, here on Long Island, both on the streets and at abortion clinics. Also to you, Chris, for all your hard work on Iron Trepan's Iron. Thank you very much, Jerry, in oh, Suffolk County. Um, before we go into some of the actual uh, strategy, if you will, uh, when you are uh, trying to rescue children from being murdered at abortion clinics when you're trying to reach uh, primarily the women who are going in there to have their babies murdered. Before we get into that, uh, just a little bit of political banter. I know that uh, one of your political heroes, if uh, I'm sorry if I'm uh, stretching that term too high, but uh, I know that Ron Paul has been a uh, someone you look up to in the world of politics, and I know that Ron Paul and his son Rand have taken a uh, a a state's uh, vote issue on this rather than having this addressed by uh, a federal law prohibiting abortion. And some pro-life people have been upset by that. They've said, well, why are you uh, relegating this to uh, states' rights when this should be just a federal, federal crime period because it's murder? How do you respond to that, and what is your opinion in regard to the uh, state's rights level of uh, tackling this uh, abortion issue. Yes, yeah, so I think that we are a far, far field of where we were when we established this country as a constitutional republic, um, a Christian constitutional republic actually early on, um, and we're just, we're, we're broken in, in so many ways, and I think that this, the question highlights the, the fundamental flaw with the pro-life community is they bought into that fiction that the federal government um, has the power and the say-so here. That, that was never the intention of our founding fathers, that we would have that sort of a situation. Um, it, it is actually a states' rights issue, and the states have the uh, obligation, I should say that, they have the obligation to protect their citizens and citizens in the womb are still citizens. They have an obligation to uphold justice and to protect their citizens at the state level. And what's interesting here, and this, this is, I think, an, an amazing moment for us to be able to communicate just the consistency of this position. Um, right now we live in a time where there are states, um, Oregon, Washington, California, 
uh, Arizona that have actually resisted the federal government and opinion of the federal government on, say, something like marijuana legislation. Now, this has nothing to do with your opinion on marijuana. But just think about it in terms of uh, the, the principle. The states have said, we know that it's against federal law to have marijuana, uh, but the states have rejected the, the opinion of the federal government uh, to essentially protect, in their mind, the rights of their citizens. Now, again, whether you agree with that or not in terms of marijuana and whether that's, it's useful or helpful medically, that, that's not the issue here. But the point is, is the principle these states are standing on, like, for example, Colorado, is that they have a right as a state over their citizens to uphold uh, justice for their citizens and the rights of their citizens. And so they've resisted, and this is what's amazing to me, Chris, is they've resisted the federal government and taken a bold, uh, in-your-face stance to the federal government and said, we're not going to listen to you. We don't care that it's against federal law. We're going to establish this for our citizens. They're allowed to use this substance for medical reasons or whatever, and we resist your opinion. And they've taken a bold and courageous stance in doing so, and yet we won't do that with abortion. And what's interesting about that is that it's, it's compelling. These are states, say, for example, Idaho, Texas, Arizona, that right now it is illegal to have an abortion in those states. It is against the law, and it has not been changed and altered. Uh, they, they define a human life from conception, and they talk about uh, human life in terms of conception and onward uh, to natural death, um, and they talk about abortion as actually a murder charge and homicide, um, and it's never been changed, and, and they're still on the books, and the states just don't have the courage right now to uphold their own state's just statutes in opposition to the federal government's uh, really corrupt opinion and decree on this. Um, but it has to be a state's rights issue. And again, I just want to highlight this again for anybody that's just now joining in on the discussion. Um, right now, if you, if you overturn Roe v. Wade, uh, it's still legal tomorrow. Abortion is still legal tomorrow because of the pro-life legislation that's been added over the years that essentially protects abortion at the state level. So it is a failed policy to focus on overturning the opinion of the Supreme Court a, um, that's not how our system of government works. Congress makes laws, not the Supreme Court. Uh, and, and, and B, because the pro-life legislation has protected abortion at the state level, if you overturn Roe versus Wade, it doesn't matter. It's still legal tomorrow. So the only way it can be ended, again, is a heart change in our nation and through consistent legislative battle where we actually call abortion what it is. Uh, I'll, I'll point everyone to something um, I after I discovered what was happening in Oklahoma with this consistent legislation with uh, Senator Joseph Silk and Tony Lowinger, the vice president of National Right to Life, who was resisting that bill, and he communicated to the pro-life legislatures, legislators not to, uh, uh, not to support it, I sat down and I had an interview with Tony Lowinger. And that interview is up on YouTube. Just type in Jeff Durbin, Tony Lowinger, um, and you'll see the full, like, 30-minute interview I did with him. And I wanted to let, I, 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 there's so much that I wanted to say to him, but I wanted to give the man the opportunity to express his views on this issue. And so what you'll see in that interview is one of the leaders in the pro-life movement worldwide um, saying that they are not fighting to have abortion considered murder. Um, he, he, he said explicitly that they, he believed that we needed to fight against abortion 
uh, and take a backdoor approach. That was, that was what he said, a backdoor approach. And what he meant by that is not use the Christian worldview, not use Christian terminology, don't call people to repentance and faith. He said backdoor approach, we need to play a neutral position in this, and that's just fundamentally flawed, and, and I think every Christian can recognize that there is no ability to have someone's heart changed or the heart of your nation changed if you don't make it about the gospel, if you don't call out sin as sin and call people to repentance, and the pro-life movement fundamentally will not do that. They call women who have abortions victims, and um, they do not consider them perpetrators of crimes. Uh, they will not work towards legislation that calls abortion murder. There are a lot of reasons for that. I think there are a lot of theological reasons. The pro-life movement, in many in many respects, is being led by the Roman Catholic community, and there are a lot of theological reasons as to why they don't want abortion called murder, because we get to issues of mortal sin and things like that. Um, and uh, that would do a lot of damage to their membership if um, if many of the women were were guilty of mortal sin in that way. Uh, so they will not fight against it consistently. Uh, they won't fight against it uh, philosophically consistently, biblically consistently, nor legislatively consistently. And I hate to put myself, Chris, in opposition to people who have worked so hard to save lives. And I don't want to be seen as somebody who's not grateful for all the work people have done to save even one life. But in terms of where we're at now, it's okay for us, and I think it's important for us, to ask the question, as Christians, is this biblical, is it consistent, and does it even work? And I think that the way the pro-life movement has approached it, the answer is no, no, and no. Wow, you've uh, enlightened me to something about the Roman Catholic view of this that I was totally unaware of before, as far as anything being negative uh, about their approach to the pro-life movement, because... They are known to be champions of it, even before Protestants were involved, publicly anyway. But I want to pick this up where we left off, and we have to go to our break right now. This is a longer break than normal because Grace Life Radio 90.1 FM in Lake City, Florida, requires a 12-minute break between our two hours. So I hope that you are all patient with us. Uh, And please take this time to write in your questions. I have several of you already waiting for your questions to be asked and answered, so please be patient. But if you'd like to join them, our email address is chrisarnzen at gmail.com, C-H-R-I-S-A-R-N-Z-E-N at gmail.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Jeff Durbin and a blueprint for abortion mill evangelism. One sure way all Iron Sharpens Iron Radio listeners can help keep my show on the air is to support my advertisers. I know you all use batteries every day, so I'm urging you all from now on to exclusively use BatteryDepot.com for all your battery needs. At BatteryDepot.com, they're changing the status quo. They're flipping the script. They're sticking it to the man. In other words... They'd like to change the battery industry for good by providing an extensive inventory of -of top-of-the-line batteries that are uniformly new, dependable, and affordable. Ordering from BatteryDepot.com ensures you'll always get fresh out-of-the-box batteries you can count on to work properly at competitive prices. Whether you need batteries for cordless phones, cell phones, radios, PCs, laptops, tablets, baby monitors, hearing aids, smoke detectors, credit card readers, digital cameras, electronic cigarettes, GPSs, MP3 players, watches, or nearly anything else you own that needs batteries. Go to BatteryDepot.com. 
Next day shipping available. All products protected by 30-day guarantees and six-month warranties. Call 866-403-3768. That's 866-403-3768. Or go to BatteryDepot.com. That's BatteryDepot.com. Paul wrote to the church at Galatia, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Hi, I'm Mark Lukens, pastor of Providence Baptist Church. We are a Reformed Baptist Church, and we hold to the London Baptist Confession of Faith of 1689. We are in Norfolk, Massachusetts. We strive to reflect Paul's mindset to be much more concerned with how God views what we say and what we do than how men view these things. That's not the best recipe for popularity, but since that wasn't the Apostles' priority, it must not be ours either. We believe, by God's grace, that we are called to demonstrate love and compassion to our fellow man, and to be vessels of Christ's mercy to a lost and hurting community around us, and to build up the body of Christ in truth and love. If you live near Norfolk, Massachusetts, or plan to visit our area, please come and join us for worship and fellowship. You can call us at 508-528-5750, that's 508-528-5750, or go to our website to email us, listen to past sermons, worship songs, or watch our TV program entitled Resting in Grace. You can find us at Providence Baptist Church, MA.org, that's Providence Baptist Church, MA.org, or even on SermonAudio.com. Providence Baptist Church is delighted to sponsor Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. Iron Sharpens Iron welcomes solid rock remodeling to our family of sponsors. Serving south-central Pennsylvania, solid rock remodeling is focused on discovering, understanding, and exceeding your expectations. They deliver personalized project solutions with exceptional results. Solid Rock Remodeling offers a full range of home renovations, including kitchen and bath remodeling, decks, porches, windows and doors, roof and siding, and more. For a clear, detailed professional estimate, call this trustworthy team of problem solvers who provide superior results that stand the test of time. Call Solid Rock Remodeling at 717-697-1981. 717-697-1981 or visit solidrockremodeling.com that's solidrockremodeling.com solid rock remodeling bringing new life to your home have you been blessed by iron sharpens iron radio We remain on the air because of our faithful sponsors and because of listeners like you. There are four ways you can help. First, do you know potential sponsors who may wish to advertise their goods or services on Iron Sharpens Iron Radio? Second, whenever possible, purchase the products or use the services that our sponsors advertise. And then let them know that you heard about them on Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. Thirdly, you can also donate to Iron Sharpens Iron Radio by going to our website at ironsharpensironradio.com and click support at the top of the page. But most importantly, keep Iron Sharpens Iron Radio in your prayers. We hope that Iron Sharpens Iron Radio blesses you for many years to come. Are you a Christian looking to align your faith and finances? Then you'll want to check out Thrive and Financial. 
We're not your typical financial services provider. We're a not-for-profit Fortune 500 organization that helps our nearly 2.4 million members be wise with money. We provide guidance that reflects your values so you can protect what matters most. We help members live generously and strengthen the communities where they live, work, and worship. Learn more about The Thriving Story by contacting me, Mike Gallagher, financial consultant, at 717-254-6433. Again, 717-254-6433. We know we were made for so much more than ordinary life. Blending faith, finances, and generosity. That's The Thriving Story. Chef Exclusive Catering is in South Central Pennsylvania. Chef Exclusive's goal is to provide a dining experience that is sure to please any palate. Chef Damian White of Chef Exclusive is a graduate of the renowned Johnson & Wales University with a degree in culinary arts and applied science. Chef Exclusive Catering's event center is newly designed with elegance and style and is available for small office gatherings, bridal showers, engagement parties, and rehearsal dinners. Critics and guests alike acknowledge Chef Exclusive's commitment to exceeding even the highest expectations. I know of their quality firsthand since Chef Exclusive catered my most recent Iron Sharpens Iron Radio Pastors Luncheon. For details, call 717-388-3000. That's 717-388-3000. Or visit ChefExclusive.com. That's ChefExclusive.com. Hi, I'm Pastor Bill Shishko, inviting you to tune in to A Visit to the Pastor's Study every Saturday from 12 noon to 1 p.m. Eastern Time on WLIE Radio, www.wlie540am.com. We bring biblically faithful pastoral ministry to you, and we invite you to visit the Pastor's Study by calling in with your questions. Our time will be lively, useful, and I assure you, never dull. Join us this Saturday at 12 noon Eastern Time for a visit to the Pastor's Study because everyone needs a pastor. Hi, I'm Buzz Taylor, frequent co-host with Chris Arnzen on Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. I would like to introduce you to my good friends Todd and Patty Jennings at CVBBS, which stands for Cumberland Valley Bible Book Service. Todd and Patty specialize in supplying Reformed and Puritan books and Bibles at discount prices that make them affordable to everyone. Since 1987, the family-owned and operated book service has sought to bring you the best available Christian books and Bibles at the best possible prices. Unlike other book sites, they make no effort to provide every book that is available because, frankly, much of what is being printed is not worth your time. That means you can get to the good stuff faster. It also means that you don't have to worry about being assaulted by the pornographic, heretical, and otherwise faith-insulting material promoted by the secular book vendors. Their website is cvbbs.com. Browse the pages at ease, shop at your leisure, and purchase with confidence as Todd and Patty work in service to you, the church, and to Christ. That's Cumberland Valley Bible Book Service at cvbbs.com. That's cvbbs.com. Let Todd and Patty know that you heard about them on Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. 
And don't forget, you can also call CVVBS.com at their toll-free number at 800-656-0231, 800-656-0231. That phone line is typically manned Monday through Friday between 10 a.m. Eastern Time and 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And uh, CVBBS.com is also giving away an excellent book if you order $50 or more worth of merchandise uh, from CVBBS.com. You're also going to be getting for free a book retailing for $15, Knowing and Growing in Assurance of Faith by Dr. Joel Beakey, a publication of Reformation Heritage Books. That's $15 retail value, absolutely free of charge if you order $50 or more worth of merchandise from CVBBS.com. Before I return to Jeff Durbin for the remainder of our interview on a blueprint for abortion mill evangelism, uh, we just have a couple of brief announcements. First of all, the aforementioned G3 conference is returning to Atlanta, Georgia from January 17th through the 20th. And that's just in a couple of weeks. And I am so excited about returning to this wonderful conference. The theme this month uh, and this year is Knowing God, a Biblical Understanding of Discipleship. And the three Gs, in case you're wondering, stands for grace, gospel, and glory. The roster includes such phenomenal preachers and speakers as Stephen Lawson, Vody Baucom, Phil Johnson, Keith Getty, H.B. Charles Jr., Tim Challies, Josh Bice, James White, Tom Askell, Anthony Mathenia, Michael Kruger, David Miller, Paul Tripp, Todd Friel, Derek Thomas, Martha Peace, Justin Peters, and Stephen Nichols. Uh, that's the 17th through the 20th. The 17th actually begins with a Spanish-speaking edition of the conference during the daytime, and then in the evening on Wednesday, uh, January 17th, our friend Dr. James R. White of Alpha and Omega Ministries will begin the English edition of the conference. He will launch that English edition, by debating a Muslim apologist. And then on Thursday, uh, January 18th, is when the actual English-speaking conference begins. And if you want to register uh, to not only uh, attend, but also you could you could uh, register for an exhibitor's booth if you want to, if you have a church, a parachurch ministry, a business of any kind that you want to promote to the thousands of people that attend this conference, uh, go to g3conference.com, g3conference.com, and please remember to look me up at the Iron Sharpens Iron Exhibitors booth there, January 17th through the 20th in Atlanta, Georgia, at the Georgia International Convention Center. That's g3conference.com, g3conference.com. Please, please, please tell uh, the folks who are running this conference that you heard about it from Chris Arnzen on Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. And now comes the most unpleasant portion of the program where, where I have to rattle a tin cup. I have to beg you for money. I did not do this for years, as many of you who have listened to this show going back to 2005 know that I went for years without ever making a single public appeal for donations. But my advertisers, who have been spending their own hard-earned money keeping this program on the air, urged me over and over again to make these public appeals, and several months ago, I finally caved in and uh, began to ask you for donations. Uh, if you love this program, if you listen to it every day, if you share the MP3s with others, if you look forward to hearing the, the guests that I interview and the topics we discuss, 
please consider donating to Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. Go to ironsharpensironradio.com, click on support. You'll be given a mailing address where you can send a check for any amount you can afford made payable to Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. One caveat that I try to remember to remind you every day is that I never want anybody to siphon money out of their regular giving to the local church where they are a member in order to give to Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. Please never do that. Uh, and if you're not a member of a solid Bible-believing church near where you live, you are living in disobedience to God unless you are prayerfully seeking for one. So please begin prayerfully seeking for one if indeed you do not already belong to one. And please never siphon money away from them to give to me. Never take food off of your family's dinner table if you're struggling to make ends meet. And don't put your family in financial jeopardy by giving to Iron Trip and Zion Radio. But if you are blessed financially above and beyond your ability to obey those two commands, please go to ironsharpensironradio.com, click on support, and send us a check as large as you can afford to and as often as you can. Uh, to the address that you're given, made out to Iron Sharp and Zion Radio. If you want to advertise with us, as long as whatever it is you're advertising is compatible with what we teach here on Iron Sharp and Zion Radio, you don't have to believe exactly as I do, but you have to have a belief that is compatible with mine. And of course, some businesses are religiously neutral. So if you own a shoe store or a restaurant or something, uh, I'm going to be more open to launching an ad campaign with you if you have more serious disagreements with me theologically. But anything of a religious nature, obviously, you need to believe very closely to what I believe, or at least not believe something that militates against what we teach here on Iron Trip and Zion Radio. So just send me an email to chrisarnson at gmail.com, chrisarnson at gmail.com, and put advertising in the subject line, and we will try to launch an ad campaign with you as soon as possible because we truly need those advertising dollars in order to survive and remain on the air. Now we are back to our discussion with Jeff Durbin on a blueprint for abortion mill evangelism. And you can also send us uh, questions to that uh, last email address I gave you, chrisarnzen at gmail.com, C-H-R-I-S-A-R-N-Z-E-N at gmail.com. Please give us your first name, city and state, and country of residence, unless you are asking about a very personal and private matter. Uh, so uh, one last thing I wanted to say about the Ron and Rand Paul issue uh, about being pro-life but believing that this should be in the hands of uh, states' rights rather than a federal issue. Uh, I was surprised to learn, when because I, I actually had a knee-jerk reaction to that when I first heard it, and I was uh, somewhat upset by their approach. But then I began doing more research of my own, and I have since become more of a Christian libertarian than I used to be. And... Uh, I, I was surprised to learn that murder, un, unless it is under very rare circumstances, only a handful of circumstances, murder is a state crime. It's not a federal crime, and I did not know that before. Yeah, right. And uh, I think, you know, I think the truth is, is, as many of us haven't thought about this, like in depth, we, we, we generally know as Christians that we're pro-life. Well, of course, we know that God, Psalm 139, knits us together in our mother's womb. We know that we're, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Of course, the scriptures teach us, uh, you know, fundamentally in the Ten Commandments, you shall not murder. Uh, we have examples in scripture and the law of God in Exodus where you have uh, a, a pre-born a child in the womb, and there's a case law example given there. If, if men are fighting and they, they cause a miscarriage and that baby dies, you know, the, the Bible does talk about this. And, and even 
from the earliest stages of the church, uh, and I'm, I'm talking like second century, uh, Christians were developing creeds and uh, traditions, doctrinal traditions, to respond to cultural things happening around them. And from the very inception of the church, uh, first century into the second century, Christians had to respond to abortifacients, uh, to abortions that were happening in their society. And one of the earliest Christian uh, creeds and traditions, confessions, uh, was specifically had specifically addressed abortion. So, so yes, like historically and of course biblically, uh, <clears throat> we can see that the, the the doctrine uh, surrounding uh, protecting the life of the of the preborn, all of that is is obvious. But but I don't think that many of us have thought beyond the general idea of we need to protect the preborn children. Of course, we're pro-life as Christians, so we haven't thought these like long and hard and deep thoughts about the legislative aspect. And uh, I think many of us have just taken for granted. And when I say many of us, I mean me. Um, I was, of course, pro-life uh, since I've been a believer, and um, and I preached sermons against abortion before I was ever on the streets fighting against it and trying to save lives or doing anything like we're doing with an abortion now. Um, and so, yes, I was there, but but thinking the the, the hard thoughts about consistency, just taking for granted the pro-life movement's general party line about abortion in terms of just needing to overturn Roe versus Wade. You know, it's a federal issue. Um, not thinking those thoughts has, has, has been damaging to us and our witness and to our effectiveness in this area. Um, you know, it's interesting. Um, last year, uh, Metro UK and uh, the New York Post uh, published articles about yours truly. Um, I think one of them said a hipster pastor wants to um, wants to give the death penalty to women who have abortions or something like that. Of course, it's a punchy um, line to get people to click, uh, so it's clickbait. But um, uh, definitely not. A, so a, I'm not a hipster, and b, I don't want to kill anybody. Um, but uh, thinking these hard thoughts about abortion in terms of what is it? Well, biblically speaking and legally speaking, it's murder. Taking the life of another human being with uh, malice of forethought is murder in every case. Um, and so when we think about what is actually taking place, it's the taking of another human's life in an unjust manner with malice of forethought. That is murder. Biblically speaking, it is murder. Um, and then we think about the legislative aspect, and, and I mentioned this earlier uh, on, Chris, um, and this is, this is vitally important to get. If we go to the legislature in our area and we say abortion makes us uncomfortable, we think it's icky, we don't like it, we really just want it to stop, um, and the legislature says, okay, but why? Well, just because just cause it goes against your tradition and your family values, because we can't impose legislation on personal likes and dislikes. Like, you know, we can't have legislation that says chocolate ice cream is better than vanilla ice cream because you happen to like that more. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's not how legislation works. It has to be a moral issue. It has to be an issue of justice. All legislation is ultimately moral uh, in, in some part. And so if we do what the pro-life movement is, has generally been involved in doing, and we say things like, we just want abortion to stop, the legislature has a right to ask. Why? What is it? Now, what's interesting is you've got people like Milo Yiannopoulos. He is a, um, he is a, in many ways, vile, outspoken, 
weirdly, homosexual conservative advocate. Um, and he, Miley Yiannopoulos, who uh, is hard to listen to sometimes because of how vile he is, but also other times, like, wow, that's compelling. You're more courageous than many Christians are. Um, he calls it murder. Um, when you look at uh, the last uh, election cycle, you had the governor of New Jersey, uh, Chris Christie, on the stage at the uh, presidential debates. Y- you, had, you had him saying publicly, abortion is murder. See, it's interesting. You've got like this homosexual, uh, this homosexual, this governor of New Jersey saying publicly, this is murder. You've got Ben Shapiro, conservative uh, advocate uh, Ben Shapiro, brilliant mind. I love uh, I love Ben Shapiro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Ben Shapiro. Um, uh, he's um, he's tremendous, and he calls it murder. But what's compelling is these people aren't professing Christians, and they're saying it's murder. But the pro-life movement resists using the language of murder. They won't talk about it in terms of murder. So the question has to be asked: as a legislator. If this isn't murder, if it's not ultimately a moral issue to that degree, then what have I to legislate against? I can't do it off your personal likes and dislikes. So when the pro-life movement says that, legislatively, we just want this to end. Um, Legislatures don't legislate against it because it's just your personal preference. Now, if it's murder, and it is, if it's malice of forethought, if it's the unjustified taking of another human life, um, then they can legislate against it. And so that's, that's an important question to ask. And, and yes, and this is something that, that I think Christians, when they've seen me say it or, or heard me say it, um, have, have to, had to sort of like raise an eyebrow and go, hmm, that's, I haven't thought about that before. But yes, in the future, if we do this consistently as Christians and legislatively, if we call abortion murder, if human life begins at conception, and it does, biblically speaking and biologically speaking, that's an indisputable fact. It just cannot be refuted. If it's a human life from conception... What do we call the taking of another human life in an unjustified way with malice of forethought? We call that murder. And so, yes, we do want consistent legislation that criminalizes abortion and penalizes, penalizes anybody that would actually engage in the act. That's the only way to have effective legislation against abortion. Um, so, yes, the discussion needs to take place at the state level. Well, what kind of penalties would be given? In Arizona right now... Um, the law says abortion is illegal, and it's a five-year prison sentence if you have an abortion in Arizona. So each state, of course, will probably have to work on legislatively what's the penalty for malice of forethought taken of the life of a, of a preborn child. Uh, many states in the United States um, have the death penalty, capital punishment for, for murder. I do personally believe that God's word is clear from beginning to end that... Um, it's life for life. If you take the life of a human being in an unjustified way, it is uh, capital punishment. But the states will have to determine that um, as we go along. But I think legislatively, we have to start calling it murder, and we have to start asking our legislature to, to actually uphold justice by having legislation that says that this is murder. It's homicide. Amen. Uh... And one thing that boils my blood more than anything, it even boils my blood, I think, more than the open advocate of murdering children who is unashamed about it. I, I really get sickened when I hear these political candidates like Tim Kaine and others who will say, oh, I am personally opposed to abortion. I'm a Roman Catholic, or I'm this, or I'm that. But... 
I still think it's a woman's right to choose. Now, that is the most ridiculous position out of all of them, because you're saying, I believe it's murder, but hey, don't let me stop you from doing it, right? Right. Yeah, and that's, I think, one of the, the challenging things uh, that we've had to face as we've, we've engaged in this ministry is, is listening to the inconsistencies of the pro-life legislators. And, and, I, and I don't want to create any enemies by saying this, but I, I believe there are many people, unfortunately, that are pro-life um, uh, in their political stance. When they get elected, they run on a pro-life platform, but they don't really do anything to actually end abortion um, uh, through their their work as a political um, candidate or or or, or, um, or governor or anything like that, um, when you when you think about some of the things that they say, it's disheartening. Uh, I think you can go to YouTube or our Apologia Studios page on Facebook, and there is a live stream that we did. We held a, um, a political town hall in Moscow, Idaho, with um, I think three. Was it three or is it two? Two, two of the uh, gubernatorial candidates in uh, uh, in Idaho, and it was it was powerful because both these men were professing uh, pro life in their stance. And um, what was interesting is when the men who were hosting this discussion, this town hall, pressed them on the issue. Um, one of them would not call it murder, and uh, he was pro life, but he essentially was acting like I just said. It's just uncomfortable. We really want it to end. But he wasn't really willing to do anything running on a pro-life platform to actually end abortion. He was just saying, as a political preference, I'm pro-life. And if you ask, well, what does that mean? What are you going to do to actually end abortion now? Uh, his answer was ultimately nothing. Now, thankfully, the other candidate, we were able to push him to consistency. He did call it murder, and I asked him if he would be willing to support a, a local magistrate who uh, banned abortion in that city or municipality. And he said he would as a governor, which I thought was amazing. That's the kind of boldness that we need. Um, and so, you know, you hear often pro-life um, candidates and governors and legislators uh, who will constantly say they're pro-life, but they don't do anything to actually end abortion. And so one of the th- and this gets to, a, you talk about a, blue, a blueprint, um, we know that what we have to do is have a large grassroots movement of Christians at the local church level that work together with their respective communities to speak to their local legislatures, offering them support to take bold moves, and demanding that they actually stay consistent with their pro-life commitments and they uphold justice for these fatherless children, that they actually do something to end abortion at the state level. So we know that, yes, it's helpful to go to the abortion mills and save lives. That needs to take place. We know that it is helpful to have media and content that just floods the Internet to try to change the heart and mind of the culture through the gospel. That's important. But the other aspect of this is we need to have Christians re-examine the foundations of our fight. Should we play neutrality? Should we, as Tony Lowinger says, uh, the vice president of National Right to Life, should we take a backdoor approach and not use Christian terminology should we avoid talking about the Christian message when talking about abortion, which is what his position is? Um, we, we have to think these hard thoughts about how do we actually work to end abortion, because it's not going to take place um, through the, the way that we've been doing it. I, I remember that I was, uh, Chris, I was talking to somebody who's been a big supporter of ours for a long time. Uh, this is somebody who is very, very, very well known um, in 
the state of Arizona, and she is the head of a, a Christian lobbyist group. Um, she's hated by the left in Arizona. Um, uh, there was a time where she was uh, actually holed up in a in a building, uh, hiding because they were basically coming for her life. Um, and um, uh, I've spent a lot of time with her, a good relationship. But I talked to her at one point on the phone about helping us with the message of end abortion now, and she told me that she could not. And I said, "Well, well, why not? You're you know you know the largest Christian." lobbyist group in Arizona, you're working on legislation that is consistent with a Christian worldview, why would you not? And she said, Jeff, I can't support what you're doing and saying because you're calling abortion murder. Wow. And she said, I have too many uh, Christian sisters who have had abortions in their past, and I simply cannot say they're guilty of murder. Now, this is the head of the largest Christian lobby, lobby group in Arizona who works to get legislation impl- implemented. She's at the state capitol virtually every day, and she essentially is opposition for us um, in this respect. Uh, they will not fight against it as though it's murder and to immediately criminalize it. So we have a, a long road ahead of us. We have a lot to overcome and part of that battle as a blueprint is is actually educating Christians on what is consistent and what is ultimately uh, the right strategy for the legal battle. Uh, I, I have to say this, and I again, I hate I hate to make myself an enemy of or to create uh, hostility between me and the pro life movement. Uh, but I have to be faithful as a Christian as a pastor. Um, our greatest opposition in many respects is the pro life movement. We're going to go to our final break. It's going to be much briefer than those previous breaks. And if you'd like to join us on the air while you still have time, our email address is chrisarnson at gmail.com. And I'm going to forward you right now, Jeff, uh, an email from our listener, Joey, in Clifton, New Jersey, so that you could look at that during the break and respond to it when we return from the break. If anybody else would like to join us, uh, get online as quickly as you can before we run out of time, chrisarnson at gmail.com. Chris Arnzen at gmail.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back with the conclusion of our interview with Jeff Durbin, God willing, right after these messages from our sponsors. Iron Sharpens Iron Radio is sponsored by Harvey Cedars, a year-round Bible conference and retreat center nestled on the Jersey Shore. Harvey Cedars offers a wide range of accommodations to suit groups up to 400. For generations, Christians have enjoyed gathering and growing at Harvey Cedars. Each year, thousands of high school and college students come and learn more about God's Word. An additional 9,000 come annually to Harvey Cedars as families, couples, singles, men, women, pastors, seniors, and missionaries. 90 miles from New York City, 70 miles from Philly, and 95 miles from Wilmington, and easily accessible Scores of notable Christian groups frequently plan conferences at Harvey Cedars, like the Navigators, InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, Campus Crusade, and the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Find Harvey Cedars on Facebook or at hcbible.org, hcbible.org. Call 609-494-5689, 609-494-5689. 5689 Harvey Cedars, where Christ finds people and changes lives.
Lindbrook Baptist Church on 225 Earl Avenue in Lindbrook, Long Island is teaching God's timeless truths in the 21st century. Our church is far more than a Sunday worship service. It's a place of learning where the scriptures are studied and the preaching of the gospel is clear and relevant. It's like a gym where one can exercise their faith through community involvement. It's like a hospital for wounded souls where one can find compassionate people in healing. We're a diverse family of all ages. Enthusiastically serving our Lord Jesus Christ. In fellowship, play, and together. Hi, I'm Pastor Paul Walderman, and I invite you to come and join us here at Lindbrook Baptist Church and see all that a church can be. Call Lindbrook Baptist at 516-599-9402. That's 516-599-9402. Or visit lindbrookbaptist.org. That's lindbrookbaptist.org. Every day at thousands of community centers, high schools, middle schools, juvenile institutions, coffee shops, and local hangouts, Long Island Youth for Christ, staff and volunteers meet with young people who need Jesus. We are rural and urban, and we are always about the message of Jesus. Our mission is to have a noticeable spiritual impact on Long Island, New York, by engaging young people in the lifelong journey of following Christ. Long Island Youth for Christ has been a stalwart bedrock ministry since 1959. We have a world-class staff and a proven track record of bringing consistent love and encouragement to youths in need all over the country and around the world. Help honor our history by becoming a part of our future. Volunteer, donate, pray, or all of the above. For details, call Long Island Youth for Christ at 631-385-8333. That's 631-385-8333. Or visit liyfc.org. That's liyfc.org. Hi, I'm Pastor Bill Shishko, inviting you to tune in to A Visit to the Pastor's Study every Saturday from 12 noon to 1 p.m. Eastern Time on WLIE Radio, www.wlie540am.com. We bring biblically faithful pastoral ministry to you, and we invite you to visit the pastor's study by calling in with your questions. Our time will be lively, useful, and I assure you, never dull. Join us this Saturday at 12 noon Eastern Time for a visit to the pastor's study because everyone needs a pastor. And if you call Pastor Bill Shishko during his program, A Visit to the Pastor's Study, please make sure you tell him that you heard about his program from Chris Arnson on Iron Trip and Zion Radio, and he is a solid brother in the Lord. I've known him since the 1980s, and uh, he is an Orthodox Presbyterian, and we only have a, a few minor disagreements on things, but uh, for the most part, I agree with every uh, word that I've ever heard him say, and I think that he is a trustworthy shepherd and an excellent resource for learning more about the Scriptures so I hope that you begin calling into that program and listening to it if you haven't already. This is the final half hour of our interview today with Jeff Durbin, pastor of Apologia Church in Tempe, Arizona, and founder of Apologia TV and Apologia Radio, and host of the Next Week program. And if you'd like to join us on the air uh, with a question, do it before we run out of time. Our email address is chrisarnson at gmail.com. And before the break, uh, Pastor Jeff, I forwarded you an email from Joey in Clifton, New Jersey, and he says, Hi, Jeff, regarding pro-life legislation being problematic, would an example be the kind of legislation that limits the term of the abortion? So, for example, in trying to eliminate late-term abortions, 
we effectively legislate earlier-term abortions? If so, I understand your point. But given our environment, it is difficult to argue that this has not saved lives. Could this be analogous to saving lives on the battlefield, even though not optimal for the war? And he has one more question that I will address after you finish responding to that. Sure, yeah, I think it's an excellent question, so I really appreciate uh, the question, Joey. And yes, you you have it right. When you have uh, pro-life legislation that says uh, no abortions are allowed uh, past the 20-week mark, that's what that's the kind of uh, local pro-life legislation that I'm referring to that would keep abortion legal at the state level if Roe v. Wade were overturned, um, because it's legislation that's been implemented at the state level that essentially... Um, says that abortion is legal as long as it's not past 20 weeks. Um, there's another thing that could be said about that. What's interesting is when we have um, pro-life legislation that does that, uh, say a, a ban on abortions past 20 weeks, well, the vast majority of abortions take place um, at uh, lower levels than that. And so that doesn't really put a dent in the amount of abortions that are taking place. And so um, it's problematic in that sense is it's not actually covering the vast majority of abortions that take place. But, yes, that's what I'm referring to. Now, this is really important, and it's, it's interesting. No matter how many times you say it, 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 it does get missed, and it may just be my communicating it. But I, I, I used uh, the old line from Cornelius Van Til that, you know, God strikes straight blows with crooked sticks. Um, I don't believe we should continue using crooked sticks, though, um, just because God can do that. Yes. Uh, these incremental legislative uh, fights have been used to save lives, and I've said this so many times, um, I am so grateful that God has done that, that he saved lives through um, inconsistent incremental legislation. However, um, I don't believe that we can ultimately work to end abortion through this inconsistent position as we fight against abortion. If it is a taking of a human life with malice of forethought. If it's murder, then that has to be a consistent position across the board. And so, yes, there have lives, there have been lives that have been saved, and we're grateful for that. But we, we don't want another 60 million babies murdered over the next 20 years or 30 years. We'd like to see abortion ended, abolished, criminalized immediately. And the only way to do that is to be consistent, and it's to be consistent Christian in a, in a Christian way, in a philosophical way, and in a legislative way. And so, um, yes, lives have been saved. Um, however, we have to ask the question, what's ultimately going to end abortion? And it's, it's not going to be ended through inconsistent incremental legislation. And then further, buttressing that point, is that it's this incremental legislation that will keep abortion legal when and if Roe v. Wade is overturned. And Joe's second question is, what would a state's rights solution be with the existence of Roe versus Wade? Can you give an example? Absolutely. So take for an example, as an example, um, uh, see Idaho, uh, we're talking about Idaho. Idaho right now, abortion is called murder. It's on the books. It's against the law. Uh, they allow abortions because of Roe v. Wade. Um, what a state could do that already has uh, pre-made legislation that's current on the books against abortion, calling it murder, defining human life um, from the moment of conception, is the state would only need to point to that law and uphold it and resist the opinion of Roe. Now, that would take courage, yes. It would take boldness. It would take risks. It would take courage. Of course it would. 
but as I said earlier on, sort of um, uh, assuming this question might be coming, you already have states like Colorado, Washington, Oregon, California, Arizona, that are already resisting uh, the federal government's opinion on legislation against marijuana. Um, they've taken bold steps to resist the federal government on an issue like marijuana, which is so compelling to me. But we won't take that kind of bold stand uh, for the lives of these fatherless pre-born children. Um, so all we would need to do at a state level is, say, for example, implement legislation that defines human life from conception. Many of the states already have that. Um, and uh, offer legislation that criminalizes the, the taking of a human life with malice of forethought to include abortion. And all we would need to do is have the states uphold that legislation and just resist the federal government. One uh, really, I think, powerful moment in the last year was in Texas this last year, uh, there was legislation um, uh, put in, uh, what was his name? I forget the, ge the gentleman's name. I think it was, maybe it was Tenderholt or, or something to that effect. Well, basically, he was pointing to the law that's already on the books uh, that defines human life as from conception, that would criminalize abortion as murder. But this was really powerful. In the legislation that was submitted, it was upholding, essentially, Texas state law as it was, uh, nothing really spectacular and new. It was just upholding Texas state law. But it said that if the federal government attempted to bring the state of Texas into court over the issue after they've criminalized abortion, it said that the legislators in Texas are not allowed to show up to court. Um, that was the legislation that was um, uh, suggested, was that if the federal government does try to strike down anything, then Texas has no obligation to show up in court to defend itself because they have the right the state's sovereign right to uphold justice at the state level, and uh, the Supreme Court's uh, opinion is not a law in the first place. So they, they were even saying, we reject the federal government's attempt to strike down what we're saying at the state level when it comes to protecting human life. Well, thank you very much, Joey, in Clifton, New Jersey. Keep listening to Iron Sharpens Iron Radio and submitting excellent questions. <clears throat> um, well, let's get to more of uh, what we uh, were supposed to be addressing today, as specifically the blueprint for abortion mill evangelism. Uh, I uh, want you to really start with what should you not say when you're standing in front of an abortion mill? Well, um, going to the abortion mill, it's ugly, hard. Um, ministry. It is not the kind of ministry like homeless ministry where you're going to give somebody food and they give you a big hug afterwards or you're providing socks and a blanket for them where they're just going to really be gracious and thank you. This is ugly ministry. It is not easy ministry. It is very difficult. You could, uh, you're going to be cussed out. You're going to be yelled at. You're going to be resisted. So that's the context of it. Um, I think it's important for us when we go there to not be neutral, to not pretend neutrality. Um, one of the uh, a couple things. One is if you're going out there to be abusive in any way, if there's animosity in your heart towards these mothers and fathers, if there's anything within you that is uh, that is corrupt as you approach this issue, I would say you need to work on your heart and ask God to change your heart and don't go. You cannot be abusive. Out, you cannot be abusive out there. You cannot be unloving out there. You need to be compassionate. Uh, you need to be truthful, of course. You need to be kind. You need to demonstrate love and concern for these mothers and fathers. 
Uh, do not be abusive. Um, I would say if you enjoy, um, if you enjoy the cutting nature of this message, uh, and, and it's something that you actually enjoy telling women, I would say don't go to the abortion mill. Um, and that on the other side of it, in terms of not being abusive, on the other side of it, I think it's important for us to be very truthful. So I have seen Roman Catholics going out to the abortion mill. They, they walk around the abortion mill uh, praying the rosary, praying to Mary, uh, not saying a word to the women. So I would say definitely don't do that. Um, Mary's not listening, and uh, that's not helpful at all. Um, the, the other aspect of it is going to the abortion mill and, and calling out to the women. It's important that you do tell the truth. So I've seen people go to the abortion mill, and they have such a love and compassion and concern for these women that they say things like, God forgives you. God loves you. I've, I've seen women show up to the abortion mill with balloons, uh, with signs that say, God loves you and he forgives you. And, and, and what I want to say is, yes, in Christ you'll be forgiven, and yes, God is a God of love. However, in that moment, we've seen it over and over and over again, when those women are going in there, they've been trying to satiate their consciences for a week. They have been trying to resist and suppress what God has been testifying to them for that week. And they are going in there banking on God's love and forgiveness. I, I've, I've seen countless times women say to us uh, as they're going in, God will forgive me for what I'm about to do. So when you go in there and you remind them, uh, God is just a God of love. He, he loves you and he forgives you anyways. Uh, when you say that to them, that's what they're banking on. You just help them to go through with it. So we need to go there and tell the truth. We, we can't try to manipulate these women and these men and uh, try to essentially toy with their conscience. We have to say the, the truthful thing, and that is that this is your child. You're already a mother. You're already a father. This is your baby. You're going to murder your child today. Please don't murder your child today. So when we go there, what I often try to tell people is, is tell the truth. Do it with a spirit of grace and love and mercy but tell them the truth. You have to say what it is. This is murder. This is your child. You're not going to leave here no longer a mother. You're going to leave here the mother and father of a dead child. Uh, so we, we tell the truth first and foremost. This is murder. Please don't murder your child. And then we give them the gospel. But that, that hopefully that answers that first part of your question. Yes. In fact, uh, a listener has an excellent follow-up. BB in Cumberland County, Pennsylvania, asks... What were the words used for the predominant number of women who changed their minds while walking into an abortion clinic or while walking out with the abortifacient drugs that they dumped out? Is there any typical thing that has been said to them, or is it a wide variety of things that have been said that actually were used of God to convince them to reverse their decision of murder? That's a very helpful question, so I really appreciate that question. What I'll do first is I want to point everyone who's listening to Apologia Studios on YouTube, and somewhere fairly recently in the videos, just go to videos and look in the more recent, I think the title of it is something like Baby Saved at Abortion Mill or something like that, and it's me and I'm wearing like a beanie or, or something, and uh, I think I had sunglasses on, so that'll be in the thumbnail. And it's about a 30-minute message. I was actually, I'm getting over the flu right now. I was sick then, too. Um, Ninjas but, uh, do not get the flu. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, right. Seriously. So, um, yeah, I've actually had a horrible night last night with the flu. But um, in this in this video, I, I was really sick, so you can hear me. I'm I'm, I'm super congested. But 
um, I would say please listen to that because that is that is the message that goes out. And after that preaching that day at this uh, abortion mill in Kentucky, there was at least one baby saved uh, after that that preaching. So please listen to that for a full explication. But the message is very simple. One, we tell the truth. We call it murder. We plead with them not to murder their child. Um, we want that to be used by God to prick their conscience. Um, that's an image bearer of God. They know what they're doing. Uh, they've told us they know what they're doing over and over again. I know this is murder. I should be able to murder my child. So we, we point them back to what it is. We plead with them not to murder their child. We don't say, we don't go out there and say, you're a murderer. We don't do that. We plead with them. Please don't murder your child today, ma'am. This is your baby God has blessed you with. Please don't murder your child today. And then after really bringing the law of God to them to hopefully bring some conviction, we then point them to Christ. That's the second part of the message. We preach the gospel. We tell them about the message of Jesus, the forgiveness they can have in turning away from sin and coming to Christ. And the third part is we say, we'll help you. What do you need from us? We'll give you anything you need. Do you need medical services? We'll bring you to a location to get those. Do you need shelter? We'll help you to get that. Do you need uh, financial assistance? Do you need cribs, diapers? What do you need? We'll take care of all that. And we even say, we'll adopt your child. We'll take care of everything. So it's a three-part message. One, tell the truth. This is murder. Plead with them not to do it. Second, preach the gospel. And third, offer to help them with whatever they need um, as they turn away from that place. So that's that's what we move through, and it and it does become rather difficult, Chris, when someone pulls into the abortion mill and they get out of their vehicle with their boyfriend or husband, and they're wearing sweats. They're told to wear you know light clothing and sweats when they go in for the surgical abortion. So we know that they're there for the abortion when they come dressed like that. We have sometimes about twenty to thirty seconds from car door to the door of the abortion mill to communicate those three things. So and it's hard because you gotta you gotta set, you gotta go through that. Don't murder your child. God will forgive you in Christ if you turn from your sin, and we'll help you. We'll adopt your child. So we run through those three things. We plead with them. Uh, we really lay our hearts out for these women and these men, and we just we we're begging them uh, to pre- to preserve the life of their child. But that's fundamentally it. There's nothing spectacular, and Chris and me uh, or our team. Um, we're not mighty uh, and just incredible, amazing orators and, and just something special about us. It's just the message. The message of the gospel penetrates and changes hearts and minds. Uh, God's truth changes people, and uh, that's what we go out there with. And we have CJ from Lindenhurst, Long Island, New York, who asks, are women typically making professions of faith in Christ when you convince them not to murder their children, or are sometimes they just responding to the scientific and medical data that reveals the truth about this horrific act? So the answer to that last part there is no. The scientific um, evidence and discussion um, does not change hearts and minds. As a matter of fact, um, when we go to the abortion mills, one of the things that's, that's off about the pro-life narrative is they say that we just need to convince women that this is an actual child, it's their baby. Um, no, uh, that is not the case. When we go to the abortion mill, these women tell us, I know it's my baby. I have a right to murder my child. I can kill my child if I want. They know it's their baby. There's no question about that. And so wow. it's, 
It's not about the scientific evidence because even if you demonstrate scientifically, biologically, which we do and we can, that it's a human being from conception, it's their baby, um, you demonstrate all of that, they'll still say afterwards, so what? I, can, I, I need to kill this child. Um, and so, so I would say that's really, really important to get. Um, what was the first part of the question, Chris? I forget. Uh, well, do, do these women typically make professions of faith in oh, Christ? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so there are times where we'll be preaching to the women, and they'll 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 be in, they'll come out of the abortion mill in tears and just stare at us and listen to us while we're calling out to them. And there are times where they'll come up to us and they'll just tell us, "Thank you for being here today. I'm not going to go through with this." Thank you so very much, and they'll just bolt and they'll leave. Uh, there are other times where where they will come up to us. We'll create a relationship with them and have an extended period of time to minister to them, to talk to them, to bless them. Uh, my wife has been in conversations before with with uh, a particular woman where she was going to kill her child through the uh, medication. My wife was able to talk her out of it, and she talked to her for weeks afterwards. Uh, there are times uh, I think uh, nationally. Some amazing stories of people who have come to Christ uh, at the abortion mill, have turned away from killing their children, and now they are out with the church, uh, actually now involved in the same ministry. Wow! Praise God. Uh, let yeah, me. So let me spectrum. Now let me uh, follow up on something you said about women not caring about the medical and uh, scientific realities. <clears throat> I can remember back in the 1980s. The woman who led me to Christ back in the 1980s had a friend who was a crack addict. And this woman was counseled by her doctor to get an abortion because the doctor was convinced that this baby would be deformed or there would be something terribly wrong with it. My friend sat down with this woman with a book. It wasn't even about abortion. Uh, it was a uh, the photographic evidence or the photographic um, technology that had evolved by that time. And of course, we're even talking about the 1980s, so it's not even what it is today. But it was it was basically a, a book of beautiful photographs, full color photographs of the development of human life in the womb. And she sat with her with this book and the woman did not have an abortion as a result of that. And she came determined she gave birth to a perfectly healthy, normal baby. So how do you respond to that in regard to sure. what you just said before? Yeah, no, yeah, I, I want to make sure I'm clear on that, um, and this is, this is important. We do go out there, and we do have pamphlets that talk about the development of the child in the womb. We do have pictures of, of children in the womb. We do have pictures of, 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 of aborted uh, children um, to testify to the women about what they're doing and to remind them to just sort of point them back to what they're suppressing. They know this is their child. Uh, but what I was referring to, and, and maybe I just uh, misunderstood the question, what I was referring to is when somebody is opposed to us and they're trying to argue for their right to abortion, the scientific evidence and the biological evidence doesn't convince them because they're committed to abortion. And when you, when you demonstrate to them irrefutably that this is a human life from conception and here's all the development of the child they still go back to, I have the right to kill my child if I want to. Um, and so in terms of the opposition, uh, using the scientific and biological evidence doesn't convince people morally. Um, however, and I, I want to make sure I'm clear on this, 
God has used, he absolutely has used, the testimony of the developing child in the lives of some of the women going in who are conflicted, and they're about to go through with it, and then they see the picture of this child in the womb, and it reminds them of what they already know. And God does use those signs to actually turn people away. And I want to say that, and this is important, um, we hate the graphic signs. We hate them. Um, I hate holding them. I think that they're horrible. Um, I, I really struggle with them myself. But God has used those graphic images to turn many people away from, from the abortion mill who are going to have an abortion. Um, and so we, we try to use all of those things, but, but the aim of it all is to point them back to, to Jesus to what God says in his word, um, all of that stuff is, is used to buttress the point of the gospel. Amen. And uh, we have an anonymous listener who says, I am actively involved in pro-life uh, events and so on, and I am strongly opposed to abortion as murder. I have been to several print shops to get T-shirts made that I have designed that have a beautiful picture of an unborn child on the front of the T-shirt, and it says, Life, on the back of the T-shirt, I wanted to have an aborted baby who had been murdered and have murder written above it. I cannot find any print shop that will print this T-shirt. Do you have any advice and counsel on this? Sure. Um, I think that uh, find a Christian print shop. (laughs) So... Uh, I think if you find a print shop owned by Christians... Do, do you happen to know of any? Because obviously that wouldn't necessarily matter if they were local. You could probably uh, email somebody a graphic image. Yeah, yeah. I think that, uh, let's see here, I know that there's a, a Christian company called Mission Aware. Uh, Mission Aware uh, does t-shirts. You might be able to contact Mission Aware and have them produce that for you. Um, uh, let's see here. I think I think there's a company called OG Apparel, it's a Christian uh, uh, apparel and print company, uh, OG Apparel. We have some friends over there. They've got some great stuff, high-quality stuff. They should be able to help you as well. Um, and if, some, if you just if you send me a message, um, at contact at uh, apologiachurch.com. Maybe I can try to look around and find something local to you. But you may have to just, you may have to just call a Christian print company or apparel company and, and just talk to them and have them do it for you. You, you can definitely find somebody that's willing to do it. Now, I, I know that some of my listeners are going to roll their eyes because they've heard me say this many times, but one thing that I'm baffled by is why aren't more conservative individuals in the media, like those who profess to be on Fox News, why aren't they insisting, and even political candidates themselves that are pro-life, why are they not insisting that at least every election cycle, that there be a televised abortion uh, so that people can vote with intelligence, with an education about what's going on. I'm amazed that, uh, to my knowledge, Fox News has never aired one. I was amazed years ago when Pat Buchanan was running for president and he was a guest on a radio program uh, that was being aired on the station I worked for. And I called in. It was a live call-in show. And I said to Pat Buchanan, uh, why is it that nobody seems to be insisting or even just moving forward with themselves, uh, purchasing airtime to air an abortion so people really know, what, know what's going on, just as 
those who really were convinced of what happened during the Holocaust in Nazi Germany, many people didn't believe it until they saw those newsreels, when they saw the, the mountains of skeletal bodies and so on, when they saw that the ovens were being opened up and the remains of human beings in there. But many people uh, did not uh, believe until that uh, was available on film. And I was shocked that Pat Buchanan said to me, uh, said to everybody on the air, uh, well, we wouldn't want to do that. That would be like televising an execution. And I said, yeah, that's my point. What, is right. it, what are your thoughts about that? What I said to Pat Buchanan and his response. Well, I think that um, that goes to the heart of, I think, the problem is, is pro-life legislators will say, I'm pro-life, and they'll run off a pro-life campaign because they know that's where they'll get their votes. Christians will vote for someone that says that they're going to end abortion. And so they stand in that position, but they don't act consistently with it. They don't treat it as like what it is. It's murder. And if you truly believe that it's murder, then you're going to do the kind of thing that you're talking about. You're going to expose it. You're going to show the graphic images. You're going to testify to what is actually going on. You know, we have lots of pictures of the Holocaust, the dead bodies piled on top of one another, the sick, the sickly bodies and the broken bodies of these Jewish, these, these Jewish people. Uh, who were just tortured and, and murdered. And we have that as a matter of historic, re- historical record that we use to constantly testify to the evil of that institution and that moment in, 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 in human uh, history and experience. And we use it to, I, I think, inoculate people from that kind of practice ever again in the future. Um, and so, yes, I think that the graphic images are absolutely necessary. And what I will point people to, and I will warn you ahead of time, I want to make sure that I make this very, very clear, this is not easy to see, but it needs to be seen. If you go to abortionno.org, it's the Center for Bioethical Reform, abortionno.org. There's a video that comes up uh, on the front page, and it gives you a warning ahead of time, and it says a graphic video starting in like five seconds, and it's actual, it's, it's footage of actual abortions taking place. And um, I, it's not, I'm not comfortable watching that. It's not easy to watch. But that does need to be seen, and we need to make sure that other people see that. So I would be all for a pro-life legislator who's running a campaign um, uh, putting that video or a video like it on their website uh, to testify to the reality of abortion. It needs to be something that's not hidden. It's brutal. Yeah, amen. And uh, it, it's it's a really double. It's a clear example of a double standard there because you have people. You would never have somebody publicly saying, "Oh, we should never show those old newsreels of the victims of the Holocaust." You would be viewed as a racist or a nut or something if you were to say that. And yet, right. even pro-life people are saying, "Oh no, don't do that. That's uh, that's over the top. That's crazy. Don't don't show those." Yeah. It, it, it does speak, Chris, to the inconsistency um, that we see, I think, in all of us, but in terms of approaching this to say, let's fix it, let's reform it. The inconsistency in the pro-life movement is we, we don't often treat it as what it actually is, murder. We don't act like it's murder. We don't do what it takes to end it because it's murder. Um, it, 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 in some respects, unfortunately, it becomes like a clique you're, uh, you're involved in. I'm pro-life. And you ask, well, what does that actually mean? What consequence is there because you're pro-life? How does it affect the future? And the answer many times is, well, not really, or not enough, or nothing substantial. And so I think that we ought to really act like this is what it is. And that means we're going to have to show it at times. We're going to use graphic images. 
We're going to call it what it is. We're going to make sure that we say the hard truth at times to people uh, that we care about. And, um, and uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's a lot of work ahead of us, but it's going to take courage, Chris. Um, I, I realize that. It's going to take a lot of courage from Christians. Um, it's going to take a lot of uh, persecution, and it'll take a lot of uh, boldness on the part of legislators to do what is actually right and to take bold stands. And I know that your websites are ApologiaChurch.com, ApologiaChurch.com, and also ApologiaStudios.com, ApologiaStudios.com. Thank you so much. Jeff Darbin, I would appreciate it if you could hold on the line so I could say a proper goodbye to you, but when you go off the air. And I want to thank everybody who listened, especially those who wrote in. I apologize to everybody still waiting to have their questions asked and answered. We'll have Jeff back on, God willing, in the future, and you can have your questions asked and answered then, hopefully. I want you all to always remember for the rest of your lives that Jesus Christ is a far greater Savior than you are a sinner.